Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lux presents Hollywood. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Magnificent Obsession, starring Claudette Colbert and Donna Michi. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. If you were asked to name the most popular story writer in America, you'd be tempted to name the authors of such books as Gone with the Wind, Anthony Adverse, or For Whom the Bell Tolls. But you'd be wrong. The writer today, who is read by more people in more homes than anybody else, is a former minister, Dr. Lloyd C. Douglas, who turned to fiction as a means of reaching a greater audience than his congregation. He knew, however, that he had to do more than simply reach his audience. He had to inspire them and magnify their vision. He had to give his stories warmth and drama and conviction. He had to give his characters the very breath of life itself. How well he succeeded, you'll see in tonight's Lux Radio Theater play, Magnificent Obsession, adapted from the universal screen hit of the same name. More than a love story, although it tells of a very great love, it's a story that, that contains a glowing message for this storm-swept world. And our stars are two longtime favorites on this stage, Claudette Colbert and Donna Michi. Together, they represent a total of 31 appearances in the Lux Radio Theater. And letters are still pouring in asking us to present them. Those letters don't just come from our audience here in America, but from our audience overseas, too. Because, as you know, these plays go by short wave to our troops. And it's interesting that they take time to write us not only about our plays, but about Lux Toilet Soap as well. It seems that Lux Soap is doing its part in establishing friendly relations. One G I wrote from Italy, I gave a cake of it to an Italian woman, and right away she asked me and my buddies to a veal steak and spaghetti dinner. 
which goes to show that good things make the whole world kin. And now, it's time for the curtain and the first act of Magnificent Obsession, starring Claudette Colbert as Helen Hudson and Donna Michi as Robert Merrick. countryside of Westchester County, about 40 miles from New York City, is a small but world-famous hospital, Brightwood Hospital. Twelve years ago, it was the scene of a shocking tragedy. There must be something we can do, Dr. Ramsey, something. Nancy, you're head nurse here. You know the answer as well as I do. We're helpless. Well, I, I can't believe it. Where's Mrs. Hudson? Hasn't anyone been able to reach her yet? They must be on their way here. We telephoned the pier. The boat docked an hour ago. What are you talking about? Don't you know? Joyce returned from Europe this morning. Mrs. Hudson drove in to meet her. They'll probably be here any moment. I see. A fine homecoming. Oh, Helen. Helen, darling, it's so good to see you again. <laughs> oh, of course, I'm not at all glad to see you. You look wonderful, baby. Well, I started packing the moment I got your cable in Vienna. Why, Helen. What's the matter? It just dawned on me. Well, can you imagine that? What is it? What is it? Well, you're my mother now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're your father's daughter, and I'm married to your father, so I... I guess I'm your mother, all right. Eight years older than I am, and you're my mother. Oh, darling. Dad's been fine, huh? Wonderful. Just about broke his heart, though, when he couldn't come down to meet you. But you know your father in that hospital of his. Helen, how did it happen? Between you and Dad, I mean. Oh, I don't know. I've always adored him. But I never dreamed he'd fall in love with me. No, no, that, that isn't so. I did dream he would. And the dream came true. <laughs> you can't imagine how proud I feel. He's one of the greatest doctors in the world, Joyce. To think that I could mean anything in his life. You'll mean everything to him. All these years since Mother died, he's been so lonely. I know what that is, darling. I never had a family of my own. Well, from now on, you're going to have your hands full of family. Why, take me alone. That is, unless you resent being mother to a wide-eyed, gangling creature like me. <laughs> oh, just what a thing to say. Where is that elevator? A fine hospital this is. Now, just you be patient, young lady. The elevator will be right here, and you'll be with your father in exactly 30 seconds. <laughs> you see? Oh, Jimmy, how are you? Oh, hello, Miss Joyce. Mrs. Hudson. Uh, sorry I kept you waiting. Well, it's a good thing I'm not a patient in this hospital, Jimmy. I'd be dead before I got any attention. Yes. Well, Jimmy, what's the matter? Oh, Jimmy, I was only teasing. Oh, no, it's nothing. Nothing. Oh, look, there's Nancy. Nancy? Joyce, my dear, what's happening here? Everyone looks so strange. Well, Nancy, aren't you going to... Mrs. Hudson. Mrs. Hudson. Nancy, what are you trying to tell us? Mrs. Hudson, the doctor's had an accident. An accident? Where is he? There, inside. But you mustn't go to him yet. Why wasn't, mustn't I go to him? Nancy! Be because he's dead, Mrs. <gasps> Hudson. He's dead. <laughs> to tell you how we feel, Mrs. Hudson. We we loved him, all of us here. Please, how did it happen? He went for a swim in the lake to freshen up before you arrived. He was very tired. His heart was overtaxed. He, he drowned. But didn't someone see him? Was there nothing you could do? We found him quickly enough, but when we tried to get the pull motor, it wasn't there. 
wasn't there. It seems that uh, a few minutes before, another accident had occurred on the other side of the lake. One of the interns rushed over with our promoter. Some young fellow, Robert Merrick, had been out on an all-night party, decided to take a swim to sober up. We've got Merrick on the next floor now. He'll pull through. He'll pull through. He'll pull through. A young man who hasn't done a single ounce of work in his life, wallowing in his grandfather's millions, he lives. And Dr. Hudson, a man thousands depend on, he died. I believe in God Almighty, Mrs. Hudson, but sometimes I don't dare allow myself to think too much about it. Here's your breakfast. What is it? Poached egg, fruit juice, piece of toast. Dr. Ramsey ordered it. Then why doesn't he eat it? Look, break down, can't you? For a whole week I've been swallowing this stuff. Can't you get me something fit to eat? I'll pay for it. You'll pay for it? Well, you know what I mean. You mean you're a special patient? Oh, oh, that other nurse told you I said that, huh? All right, I am. It happens that I've got a lot of money, and I see nothing wrong in spending it to get what I want. Simple things, Miss Ashley, like a decent breakfast. You'll eat this or you won't eat anything. And I'll tell you something else, too. I once went to college, Miss Ashley. I was studying to be a doctor three years. It's true, I didn't graduate. But I don't need a diploma to know that I'm perfectly well and should get the devil out of this hospital. I don't know why I'm wasting my breath saying this, Mr. Merrick, but you're here on the orders of your doctor and your grandfather. And the sooner they say you can leave, the better I like it. Look, aren't we both being a little stupid? Are we? I think so. From what I gather, people seem to like you around here. I'm sorry that line won't work either. Oh, stop jumping to conclusions. There's something I'd like to ask you, Miss Ashley. Is it my fault that my life was saved and Dr. Hudson died? How did you know? The nurses were under strict They didn't tell me. They're not that human. But I have ears and eyes. And what I want to know is, is it my fault they were using the pull motor on me when they needed it for him? And why did they have only one pull motor? I didn't ask for it, and I didn't ask to have my life saved. I know that. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me. What right have you or anyone else to pass judgment on what kind of people have a right to live? If that attitude prevails in this hospital, you've every right to be indignant. Well, I am indignant. And you know Why? Because I agree. I know I'm no good, and I never was. I think it's a crime that I'm here and Hudson's dead. But that's the way things are, and we've got to make the best of it. Hudson and I, were both out of luck. You mustn't talk like that. Well, tell me it isn't the truth. Okay, now that I've apologized for being alive, I'd like to partake of a little food. With your pull and my appetite, we ought to be able to do better than a poached egg. You are a human being, aren't you? Well, I'll see what I can do. This is Mr. Perry, Mrs. Hudson. How do you do? Mr. Perry is our accountant. He has all the details on Dr. Hudson's estate. I hate to disturb you with this, but the facts are such that I think you should know them now. Go on. Mrs. Hudson, the doctor's estate amounts to very little, about $1,800. I'm sorry, but that's all. But that's impossible. Here's his bank book. The deposits are regular and substantial, but so are the withdrawals. Look, cash $5,000, cash $11,000, cash $7,000. It went on for years like that. It's incredible. Dr. Hudson made a fortune. How could he leave his personal affairs in such condition? Florence and I will get along all right, Dr. Ramsey. There's still his insurance, and I have something of my own, some stocks. And you still have the hospital, Mrs. Hudson. Oh, it was Dr. Hudson who brought the patients here, not the hospital. Yes, I see Oh, Helen, I hate to break in, but there's a woman here who wants to see you. Who is it, dear? Why, I don't know. I'm Mrs. Eden. Oh, well, tell her I'll be right out. Mm-hmm. And that went on for nine years, Mrs. Hudson. A check every month. 
He sent my children to college. They're great successes now. We have the money, Mrs. Hudson. We want so much to return it to you. But why didn't you return it to him, Mrs. Eden? Oh, I tried to many times. He wouldn't take it. Did he tell you why? Oh, he got very excited. He said, you haven't told anyone about this. And I said, no, you told me not to tell a soul. And then the doctor laughed. He said he couldn't take it because he had already used it up. Already used it up? Yes. Wasn't that strange, Mrs. Hudson? Very strange. Do you know what the doctor meant? I haven't. I've thought about it a thousand times. And I haven't the slightest idea. You're not alone, Mrs. Eden. I've been told that same story now by five other people. Please keep the money. I'm sure he wanted you to. Yes. He was like God, Mrs. Hudson. Like God. I can't understand it. And what Mrs. Eden said was the same as uh, what those others told you? Word for word. I can't take it back because I've used it all up. But why would he keep it a secret? If Father did these things to people, you'd think he'd mention it to someone. And you'd think if they wanted to pay him back, he'd have left them for their own pride. I hope you understand, all of you. It isn't the money I'm interested in. I'd like it for you, Joyce. All I know is that he must have had a motive for what he did. A good motive. And I believe if you ever find what it was, you'll find the secret of his greatness. Well, I'll be getting into town. I'll drive you in, Mr. Terry. I've got to go to the bank. Thank you. Oh, I was telling Dr. Ramsey, the hospital received a check this morning from Robert Merrick, $10,000. Send it back. I don't think the doctor would want us to do that, Mrs. Hudson. Oh, well, perhaps not. Do with it what you wish. Maybe you can find use for it in the children's clinic. I'm sure so. Robert Merrick killed my husband just the same as if he shot him. Oh, I'm sorry. If you're ready, Mr. Perry, we can leave now. Spot the stall, didn't you? The last unpaved road in Westchester and farthest from the service station. I was just driving back from town. I guess it's the motor. How about gas? No, I fill the tank in town. What town? Mount Kisco. Well, that's a coincidence. I live in Mount Kisco. Look, I'd like to get this car started. You suppose you could drive me to a mechanic somewhere? Well, why don't I see if I can fix it myself? I'll work on the motor, and you can tell me who you are and all about yourself, and then in about an hour, I'll discover I really know very little about motors, and we'll go find a mechanic. Oh, please, I'm really in a dreadful hurry. Okay, then. Well, I take it. Brightwood Hospital. Oh. Ooh. Well, it's not far, really. Oh, no, it's not the distance. It's the place. Young lady, you're talking to an alumnus of Brightwood Hospital. I just spent ten miserable days in that horrible institution. Oh. But I'd gladly readmit myself if you're one of the nurses. I'm not a nurse. And why don't you just run along now? I don't feel very much like exchanging smart talk. I'm sure someone else will come along soon. I'm very sorry. Look, I'll behave. Come on, get in my car. Uh, my name is Merrick, Robert Merrick. What did you say? Now, wait a minute. Can I even introduce myself? Merrick. That's right. Get out. Get away from me. You hear? Get away from me. What in the world? I'm the wife of Dr. Wayne Hudson. The widow of Dr. Hudson. Oh, I'd like to... Won't you please leave me alone? Is this? I'm a stonecutter. This is my workshop. Stonecutter? Yes. 
Oh, I thought I was seeing things, all these gravestones. I, uh, I assume I was very drunk last night. How did I get here? I'm not quite certain. You knocked on my door and mentioned something about not being able to drive your car back to town. Yeah, and then what? You talked for about uh, half an hour and collapsed. I talked to you. About a number of things, including Dr. Hudson and Dr. Hudson's wife. When I learned you knew them, I was glad to be of any service I could. Dr. Hudson was the best friend I had. Oh, I've got some coffee on the stove. Like some? Would I? Come over here and sit down. I think I can make it. Thanks. Ooh, ooh. I, uh, I better explain what happened. I, uh, I met Mrs. Hudson for the first time yesterday afternoon. When she found out who I was, she... Well, anyway, I figured a few drinks might help. Did they? No, not very much. You see, my name is Merrick. You told me everything last night. Oh, fine. Well, thanks for letting me stay here. I better get going. Why? Well, if you know who I am and Dr. Hudson was your best friend, the answer's rather clear, isn't it? Here's your coffee. Mr. Merrick, you see that picture on the wall? Yes. I carved the original in marble. It was just purchased by the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Well, congratulations. I have only one reason for mentioning that. When I met Dr. Hudson 20 years ago, I was an ordinary stonecutter hacking out blocks with a compression chisel. Then he taught me something. He taught me how to use my life. If I don't seem very bright this morning, you'll have to forgive me. No, it's a little difficult to understand, and you'll probably think me a trifle insane. Dr. Hudson taught me to make contact with the source of infinite power. Contact? What do you mean by contact? Well, let's put it this way. You see this stove? It's cold now, useless. But I turn this switch, and a contact is made with a huge powerhouse. The stove begins to glow. It starts fulfilling the destiny for which it was created. For human beings, there's another source of power. From it comes a force that keeps stars spinning through space, that makes grass grow and tides rise and fall. Once you establish contact with that power, you can fulfill your destiny. I'm, uh, I'm afraid this is all a little beyond me. It can all be found on a page in the Bible, Mr. Merrick. The Bible? That needn't lessen its value, need it? I'm afraid I'm not particularly religious. Neither am I. But the man whose life is told in the Bible originated what I'm talking about, and so successfully did he practice it that today he is even more alive than he was 1,900 years ago. Look, uh, suppose what you say is true, that there is some fantastic power like that. How do you go about finding it? There's a perfectly definite, precise formula. Anybody can do it. Oh, sure. You merely go out? Find people who need help and give them help. Help? You mean money? Money's all right, since you happen to have so much of it. There are other forms, though. But whatever help you give must be in absolute secrecy. The world must never know, and you must never let anybody repay you. And that's what Dr. Hudson believed in? Yes. I thought my head was spinning when I woke up. Well, thanks for letting me stay last night. I'd, uh, I'd like to pay you. You can. By giving what I've told you a trial. Oh. Yes, uh, yes, I will. Thanks again. Uh, why don't you telephone Mrs. Hudson? Maybe she'll see you today. I did try to see her early last night. Try again. Here, I'll get the number for you. Hello? Miss Hudson? Yes? This is Mr. Merrick. I just wanted to 
apologize for yesterday. Mr. Merrick, didn't my maid make it clear enough that I never want to see you or speak to you? I know, but I was just with a friend of your husband's. He suggested I try again. He was telling me about Dr. Hudson's theory. Theory? What theory? Well, it was something about helping other people and not talking about it. Really, I, I know I must sound ridiculous and I know you must hate me, but it, at least punish me face to face. At least that would be better than... Tr Sorry I bothered you again, Miss Hudson. Wait a minute. Come over this morning if you care to. Uh, I'll see you, Mr. Merrick. In just a minute, we'll be back with Act Two of Magnificent Obsession. But now, here comes Sally with a gleam in her eye. What's the excitement, Sally? Mr. Kennedy, nearly every week I tell you interesting bits of gossip about Hollywood. And your job is telling our listeners all about Lux Toilet Soap. Well, tonight you're out of a job, Mr. Kennedy. Fair enough, Sally. Go right ahead. I just want to tell all our listeners that Lux Toilet Soap is so good that actually nine out of ten lovely screen stars here in Hollywood use it every day. I ought to know, because I visit the stars in their dressing rooms and their homes, too. And right here, Mr. Kennedy, I want to say this. I use Lux Toilet Soap. And a lot of girls like me who aren't screen stars use it too. And I think the stars and all of us girls are mighty smart. <laughs> so there, Mr. Kennedy, how do you like that? Sally, I think you're magnificent. <laughs> Hello? Mr. DeMille, please. Frank Sinatra calling from New York. Mr. DeMille, a uh, call for you from Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra? Oh, fine, put him on. Hello, Frank. Hello, Mr. DeMille. I wanted to be the first to tell you that we're going to be neighbors. Oh, you're moving next door to us? Uh, yes, yeah, starting next Monday, November 20th. <laughs> well, as soon as you get settled, Frank, Ms. DeMille and I will drop over and say hello. Oh, I should say we're going to be neighbors in the air, not on the ground. You see, my radio show is going to be moved to the half hour just before the Lux Radio Theater. Ah, that's good news, Frank. Uh, you'll be very welcome next to us on Monday night. Just tell your listeners to stay tuned to your station for the Lux Radio Theater. I think they would anyway, C.B. <laughs> thanks, Frank. And good luck to you. And thanks for calling. Goodbye, sir. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, John, what more can you tell our audience about Frank's radio show? I'd like to add this, that not only is the Frank Sinatra show going to be on the air just preceding the Lux Radio Theater, but Frank's also offering a $5,000 war bond to one of his listeners to help the sixth war loan drive on its way. So be sure to listen to the Frank Sinatra program over most of these stations next Monday night when Frank's guest will be Bing Crosby. That's a half an hour before Lux, except in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. So consult your newspapers for the exact time if you live in these areas. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. of Magnificent Obsession, starring Claudette Colbert as Helen and Donna Michi as Robert. It's two hours later. Robert Merrick has called at the Hudson home and turning on his charm in all directions, 
has succeeded in taking Helen out of the house. Now in his car, they're driving toward the center of town. Why did you want to get me out of the house? For a couple of reasons. One is that I heard Miss Hudson say your car is ready at the shop. We can drive there and you can pick it up. Very thoughtful of you. The other reason is that I want to speak to you alone. Then what's your manners, Mr. Merrick? Oh, now, please. Not Mr. Merrick. Bob. Or hey, you. Anything for Mr. Merrick. I want you to understand one thing. I'm with you now only because I'm interested in what you found out about my husband. You're not really frightened of me, are you? Not in the least. But I've heard a few things about you. And in spite of the circumstances, I wouldn't put it beyond you to start acting like a schoolboy. Well, I'm certainly a delightful character, it seems. Hmm? Still, if you can be civil, well, come on, what did you find out? Okay, but for the love of Mike, Mrs. Hudson, melt. And then, be human. Oh, you're smiling. Are you actually smiling at me? I'm on the verge of shrieking hysterics. Oh. Well, all joking aside, I had a most amazing encounter this morning. I ran into a man who preaches a theory that he says he learned from your husband. So you said on the phone, what theory? Well, you were his wife, don't you know? No. Well, it was a sort of formula for getting what he wanted out of life. Of course, he got you. If I ever doubted the theory before, I don't any longer. Oh, please. What did he say? Well, he said that you get the power you need to, to do the things you want to do by helping other people and saying nothing about it. And they must never pay you back. Is that part of it? That's right. Because when they're ready to pay, you've used it up. You've used it up because the good you've done in itself is all the repayment you want. Oh, I'm beginning to understand. You are? Well, so am I. You see, I had just given up hope of ever seeing you again, and presto, this happened. What do you mean this happened? You're merely taking me to get my car, and it seems we've gone considerably out of our way. Turn left as soon as that traffic light changes. Oh, no, what do you know? I took the wrong turn. You know, that's what I like about Westchester. Five minutes and we'll be in the rustic wilderness. The light's changing, Mr. Merrill. Oh, now, please, have a heart. And I said to turn left. Now, look, can't we talk calmly for two minutes without you getting all worked up? I'm getting out right here. Now, now wait a second, will you? Goodbye, Mr. Merrill. Look out, look out. There's a car coming. There's a car. Mrs. Hudson. Mrs. Hudson. Well, how is she? Can't you tell me that much? How is she? You're rotten evil all the way through. You killed my father, and now this. In heaven's name, why can't you let us alone? Don't say that, please. It was an accident. Accident? Dr. Ramsey. She's going to live. Oh, thank God. There's, there's something wrong, isn't there? Isn't there? Yes. There seems to be a depressed fracture involving the brain. Joyce, I'm afraid she'll never see again. Oh, no. Do you hear that? Never see again. Blind. Blind because of you. Joyce. It's the truth, isn't it? Why shouldn't he suffer? He lives to hurt people, to kill and blind them. He's responsible, isn't he? Yes, I'm responsible, Miss Hudson. Doctor, if there's anything I can do, anything, if you could take my eyes and give them to her on my life. Yes, Mr. Merrick. Now, if you don't mind, I think yes, you have... Yes, yes, I'll go. I'll go. Careful now, darling. Careful. I'm doing fine, Joyce. Please don't worry. It's just that I can't get used to this cane. Oh. 
Oh, it's a beautiful morning, Helen. You're sure you'd rather sit in the park instead of walking? Mm-hmm. It's very convenient having a park right across from the house. I never realized before just how convenient. Oh, darling, please. No, it's all right. Just get me to my bench, and then you run on to the hospital. You're a working girl now, you know. Emma will call for me. It helps my independence being by myself. Oh, of course. And you're doing beautifully. After all, it's just a little more than five months. Oh, you're a wonderful person, Helen. Well, here's the bench. Thanks. Oh, uh, my braille. Oh, here you are. Well, I'm on page 20. That's not so bad, is it? <laughs> Sensational. Helen, sure you don't want me to stay? Please. I'll be perfectly all right. Okay. Goodbye, dear. I'll bring home all the gossip from the hospital. Hello, Mrs. Hopkins. Well, good morning. You're right on time. I brought my reading book, like I said. Good. And what will we start with? Uh, Jenny Wren. It was on a merry time. <laughs> now, now, wait. Wait, I, I have to find my place first. You have a funny book. No pictures, even. Just little bumps like. That's right. Now, let's see. Oh, yes. Jenny Wren. Now, now you start again. It was on a merry time when Jenny Wren was young. So neatly as she dressed and so sweetly as she sung. Now, my turn. Robin Redbreast lost his heart. He was a gallant bird. He doffed his hat to Jenny and thus to her he said, My dearest Jenny Wren, if you will be but mine, you shall dine on cherry pie and drink nice cur, uh, uh, cur, current, nice current wine. I'll dress you like, like, oh, well, now I'm stuck. You'll have to tell me. Like a... A goldfish. Oh, no. Oh, no, that can't be right. Now, wait, I'll dress you like, um... I know. I'll go ask that man over there. Oh, no, please. It's all right. He's nice. Hello, mister. Hello. Will you please tell me this word? Well, now, let me see what that is. Oh, uh, that's goldfinch. It's goldfinch. Goldfinch? Uh-huh. Goldfinch means a bird. Oh, of course. Now, where were we? Well, let's stop reading for a while, hmm? But why? I thought we were alone. Oh, he's here every day. He gives me money for ice cream. Come on, let's read. I'd rather not just now, darling. Some other time. Tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Now, I think I'll just walk around a little bit. Well, goodbye, Jen. Goodbye, dear. Oh, my, my cane. Wait, I, I'll get it. Thank you. I hope you didn't stop your reading because of me. There you are. Sit down again. Maybe I can help you. It's a little embarrassing learning my ABCs with a grown-up. How could you help? Well, I, I'm interested in Braille. You're a doctor? Yeah, yes, sort of. I started out to be one. Uh, what I want to say is I have a friend who has a large library of Braille, and I know he'd be glad to let you use some of them. May I bring them tomorrow? Well, I hardly think tomorrow. I've got all I can do with Mother Goose. Oh, but would you mind taking me to the curb? I still get a little confused. Of course. That voice sounds so familiar. You weren't at Bradwood Hospital, were you? Oh, no, no. There's a step here. That's it. Thanks. Do you mind if I ask your name, Doctor? No, it's... Uh, it's Robert. Dr. Robert. Well, I'm Mrs. Hudson, Doctor. Thanks so much for taking me across. 
is your book. Oh, yes. Goodbye, Doctor. Goodbye, Mrs. Hudson. sorry to drag you out at night every time, but I have to be sure that no one sees you coming here. I understand, Mr. Merrick. You said you had news from Paris. I heard from Dr. Rochard this morning. Five of the specialists we wrote have agreed to see Mrs. Hudson. That's fine. They'll arrange a date for sometime next month. Cable whatever more money is necessary. Yes, sir. Now about the other matter. The stocks and bonds? You've gone over them? Thoroughly. Mm-hmm. As Mrs. Hudson's advisor, I have complete access to them. The stocks are practically worthless, Mr. Merrick. I told her long ago to sell them. That's exactly what you'll do. And you'll replace her stocks with some of mine. That won't be very easy, Mr. Merrick. You're being well paid, Mr. Perry. Do it. She's got to have a steady income. And I must have your word again to say nothing about any of this. Very well, sir. Thank you. Now, as for getting Mrs. Hudson to Paris, you're sure the doctors understand? Oh, yes, sir. They'll write her shortly. They've heard of her case and would like very much to try to help the wife of the celebrated Dr. Hudson. Yes, sir. How do you do? I came to inquire about Mrs. Hudson. Who shall I say is calling? Is that you, Dr. Roberts? Come in. Oh, thank you. Uh, is Miss Hudson here? No, sir. She's still in New York. Thank you. Well, hello. Oh, please. You're just in time. I was going to have tea all by myself. Oh, thank you, but I can't stay. I just dropped in to be sure you're all right. I haven't seen you in the park for almost two weeks. I've been in New York with Joyce. Then yesterday it rained, and today, well... (laughs) Joyce likes to boss me around. <laughs> she made me promise to stay in the house till she gets back. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you've come. All sorts of nice things have been happening today. Really? What, for instance? Well, for one thing, my finances have suddenly straightened out beautifully. Oh, well, that is good news. And that's not all. I've had a letter from Paris, from a group of eye specialists. They're holding a meeting of some sort, and they've asked me to come there. Oh? They're interested in your case? I suppose it's a tribute of some kind to my husband. But Joyce and Dr. Ramsey, they... They insist that I go, that I'd be very ungrateful to refuse. Well, you're not thinking of refusing. For a while, I did. I've had so many disappointments, Dr. Roberts. Oh, but men like Rochard and Donnell and Rittenbacher, they're they're the best in the world, Mrs. Hudson. How did you know who they were? Well, I I didn't. I I didn't. But uh, they're they're so famous, I just assumed they'd be there. Tell me, when are you leaving? Very soon, I think. Joyce was to find out about the passport today. Hmm. Here she is. Emma! Tell Miss Joyce to join us, please. Yes, ma'am. I hope you'll excuse me. I must leave now, really. Oh, no, please. Joyce has heard me talk about you so much. She's very anxious to meet you. Well, back again, Emma. How's Mrs. Hudson? Oh, she's fine, Miss Joyce. He's inside there. Dr. Roberts visiting with him. Who? Dr. Roberts. Mrs. Hudson says to join us. Joyce? Yes? Come here. I want you to meet my friend, Dr. Roberts. Oh. How do you do, Dr. Roberts? How do you do? He's the man I've spoken of so much. Well, what's wrong? Joyce, are you upset about something? Oh, of course not, dear. Everything's marvelous. Well, we'll talk about it later. I know you have lots to talk over. I'll uh, I'll just run along. Oh, but will you see me before I leave? Perhaps. And if not, I wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you. I'll show the doctor off. Goodbye, doctor. Goodbye. Well, you finally caught up with me, Miss Hudson. What is this? You wouldn't understand if I told you. I'll say I wouldn't. You never know when to quit, do you, Mr. Merrick? This is a new sort of conquest. He bowls them over even when they can't see him. Just what do you count on as a payoff if she ever does see you? She'll be in love with you. 
she'll open her eyes for the first time on the man she thinks the world of, and the man she'll see will be you. That'll be a situation, won't it? That'll be something to make us all glad we're alive. Miss Hudson, I'm doing my best. Well, there's not much point trying to explain, is there? None at all, Mr. Merrick. We're leaving for France next week, and I hope that when we come back, you'll have found pity enough to get out of her life forever. You have been very patient, Madame Hudson. My colleagues asked especially to tell you how they appreciated your willingness to have submitted to our experiments. Well, there will be no more experiments, Madame. Then you know what's wrong. Yes. Well? Madame, you were the wife of a great doctor, better than others. You must know our limitations. Tell me the truth. There's no hope? That I hesitate to say. It's just that we feel it would be folly to operate. But if there's a chance, a chance in a thousand, I'd take it gladly. The indications are not there, madame. It is too delicate an operation to perform without sufficient evidence. Someday, however, an operation may be imperative. Someday also, for reasons which we simply do not know, your sight may suddenly return. Even after many years, these things have been known to happen. Yes. Thank you, doctor. Helen, what are you doing up? You promised me you'd try to sleep. I can't sleep. I'm not tired. Did you find out anything about our sailing? Yes, darling. We'll leave for home in two weeks. That was the best we could do. Two weeks? Oh, no, Joyce, I can't. Not another two weeks here. I'll go crazy. Helen, please. Please try to help. I'm sorry. I'm just not myself. Oh, you've been through so much. You're all unnerved. The trip across and all this time. Yes, for nothing. I want to go home, Joyce. And you will, my dear. Now, now just sit here and I'll get you some hot milk. It'll help you sleep. If it only would. I'll only be a minute, darling. <laughs> Come in. Who is it? Is there someone there?
get all dressed up. The whole works. I'll be back in about an hour. <laughs> I'm not just going to show you to Paris. I'm going to show Paris to you. Go on, hurry now. <laughs> Wait here. Just for a moment. Joyce! Joyce, where are you? Joyce! Can you forgive me, Mr. Merrick? I overheard. Can you forgive me? For anything, everything. You've made her laugh again. Joyce! Oh, coming, darling. I'm coming. And this, this is the highest hill in the city, Helen. Paris is now exactly where it belongs, at your feet. I want to talk to you. I've wanted to talk to you all week, but you've never given me a chance. Why have you done this? Why? Surely you had a reason in coming to Paris. Things you had to do, hmm? People to see? People? Are there still other people in the world? No, please tell me. Helen, are you happy? Very. You couldn't... You couldn't hate anyone on a night like this, could you? No, I couldn't. You could forgive anyone anything? I think so, yes. Even Robert Merrick? Yes. You've known, haven't you? For a long time. I love you, Helen. You know that too, don't you? No, you mustn't. Will you marry me? Mary. Oh, no, I couldn't. There's nothing to prevent it now, darling. No, nothing except that I'm blind. Except that everywhere we go, there'd be whispers and glances. I wouldn't mind for myself, but I couldn't bear it for you, Bob. I couldn't have you pitied because of me. I love you too much. You're in the world. I'm out of it. Now, you listen to me, Helen. There was a reason for all of this happening. There had to be a reason. This is what we were born for. To be together. If we left each other now, we'd live in torment the rest of our lives. Please say yes, Helen. Will you wait till tomorrow night? Can I give you my answer then? If you want to, darling. All right. Now I've something else to tell you. And it's all right to laugh, but not too loud. What? You remember that day in the park when you took me for a doctor? Of course I remember. Well, that gave me an idea. From that day on, I determined to become what you had mistaken me for. Did you expect me to laugh at that? Oh, darling, that's wonderful. Well, I'm going to keep on trying. There's no harm in that, is there? Now, about our honeymoon. Please, Bob, you said you'd give me time to think. Well, that's what I mean. The rest of the night, you think about our honeymoon. You pick the spot. The loveliest spot on earth. Ah, the loveliest spot on earth. At the moment, I should say it. It's right here. Good morning, madame. Excuse me, is this, is this the travel bureau? Oui, madame. May I assist? I'm Mrs. Hudson, suite 511. I want to get to England immediately, to London, and then passage on the first ship to the United States. You may secure that from Chauveau, madame. I know, but I want to leave France. Oui, madame. There is a plane leaving shortly. Will you sign your name on this thing? I'm sorry. Will you place my hand where I'm to sign? Madame? I can't see. Oh, pardon, madame. You'll have to furnish me with a guide of some sort. That can be arranged. Oh, of course, but is madame traveling alone? Yes. Uh, I'm traveling alone. Uh, 
In a few minutes, Mr. DeMille and our stars will be back with Act Three of Magnificent Obsession. And now, here's Libby Collins, our Hollywood reporter. Greetings, Libby. What's new with the stars? Mr. Kennedy, you know the phrase actors sometimes use. They speak of really getting into a role. Of course, Libby. It means uh, identifying yourself with the part you're playing. <laughs> well, Anne Rutherford did just that in a way she didn't expect. You know how hard it is to get a taxi cab nowadays. Oh, here's what happened. Anne was driving herself home from the studio after a day's work before the camera. And every time she'd slow down or come to a stop sign, people looking desperately for a taxi would signal to her. Oh, she was completely bewildered till she realized that... That she had absentmindedly driven off in a taxi cab instead of her own car? <laughs> no, that she was still wearing her taxi driver's uniform. You see, that's the part she's playing in her new picture. Mighty attractive cab driver, Libby. Uh-huh, with her little cap set at a jaunty angle and uh, that lovely Lux complexion of hers, Mr. Kennedy. Isn't it a fact, Libby, a Lux girl always looks mighty pretty, whatever kind of costume she's wearing. And Anne Rutherford is such an enthusiastic Lux girl. She says active lather facials are the best care she's ever found for her skin. Recent tests have proved that Lux soap facials really make skin lovelier. Actually, three out of four complexions improved in a short time with this daily care. I think the way Anne Rutherford takes her daily beauty facial would be of interest to any woman who wants her complexion to be nicer. Here's what she does. I cover my face generously with the creamy Lux soap lather. Work it well in, rinse with warm water, and splash with cold. Then I pat with a soft towel to dry. I never neglect this daily care. It makes me sure about my skin. Nine out of ten lovely screen stars depend on gentle Lux toilet soap care. You, too, will find that using Hollywood's complexion soap is a real investment in beauty. Get some fine white Lux toilet soap tomorrow. And now, Mr. DeMille returns to the microphone. After the play, we have some good news about our stars that I think you'll want to overhear. And now here's Act Three of Magnificent Obsession. Starring Claudette Colbert as Helen and Donna Michi as Robert. Six long years have passed since Helen Hudson disappeared from Paris. She had left two notes, one to Joyce and one to Robert Merrick, begging them never to search for her, pleading with them to forget. Robert Merrick remained in France, with a strange, almost hysterical hunger for knowledge, he plunged into the study of medicine, emerging with a revolutionary technique for brain surgery. And then, with the clouds of war hovering over Europe, Dr. Merrick sailed for home. Bob. Hello, Joyce. It's been so long. It's so very good to see you. You don't know what this means to me, Joyce. You're coming here. I wondered if anyone would remember me. Well, you might have written. Yes, I... Why are you staring at me? I just want to look at you. You've changed so, Bob. You're so much older. Oh, I didn't mean... <laughs> I'm six years older, that's certain. Six centuries. Bob, this work you've been doing, it's incredible. How do you know what I've been doing? Well, I'm still at the hospital. We still read the medical journal. Oh, course. Actually, Joyce, I've done very little. A few ideas. It takes time. So much time. Bob. I know what you're going to say. I was just waiting to ask you the same question. No, Joyce. I haven't heard from Helen. And you? Once. Only once. It was over five years ago. 
a letter. She told me not to worry. She was all right, that the bank had arranged to send her a check every month, that she was happy. Bob, five years ago. I've got to find her, Joyce. I've got to find her. Excuse me, Doctor. Yes, Keller. A gentleman to see you, sir. Mr. Randolph. Randolph? I'll run along, Bob. I have to anyway. Please let me hear from you. You will, Joyce. And thank you for coming. Goodbye, Bob. Goodbye. You can send Mr. Randolph. You don't remember me, Dr. Miller. Well, to be quite honest, I Many don't... years ago, we drank a cup of coffee together in the workshop of a stonecutter. Oh, oh, why, certainly. Please forgive me. It was... It was a long time ago. You're the man with the theory, Dr. Hudson's magnificent obsession. It is not an obsession with you by this time, Doctor? With me? Well, no. You've come a great distance since that time, Doctor. And you do apply that philosophy, I know, because I've followed the career. Well, I've worked hard, if that's what you mean. I mean that you have given, given with true generosity. Oh, yes, yes, I've given. I've founded clinics, I've donated to medical research. I've done everything I could to advance medical ingenuity. I was sure of it. I did that for one person. A woman I happen to have cared for and have lost. I have an obsession, yes. The fear that she might be alone somewhere, helpless, without friends. So if I've ever aided one, it was with the hope someone perhaps would, would do the same for her. But don't you see, that's what I meant that time when I spoke to you of the Bible. It's what Christ taught. Through one, all might be reached. He did it for humanity. You do it for one woman. Dr. Merrick, what I've really come to see you about is this. Last week, I was in Virginia on business. While I was there, I happened to meet someone who links us together again, quite logically. In what way? I met a blind woman. What? Maybe I'm a fool, Doctor, but I believe our meeting seven years ago was the beginning of a new destiny for you. The opportunity of fulfilling it, of completing a circle, is here. This blind woman. The knowledge I passed on to you was given to me by someone very close to her. You see, she is Mrs. Hudson. Helen. Yes. Thank God. Will you go to her? She's in a hospital. She's ill, Doctor. Critically ill. Dr. Merrick? Yes, and this is Dr. Ramsey from Brightwood Hospital. He flew down with me. I'm Dr. Allen, gentlemen, the resident here. I'll take you to Mrs. Hudson's room. Thank you. I can't tell you how relieved I am that you're here, Dr. Merrick. She's been unconscious for five hours. Your x-rays, what do they show? As best as I can read them, they definitely indicate pressure. Any, any evidence of a calcified area? Why, uh, yes. You're familiar with the case. I treated her several years ago. She, uh, um, there was an accident. Oh, uh, in here, gentlemen. She's so pale, Dr. Ramsey. So drawn. Helen. Helen. Bob, the chart. I'm sorry, go ahead. Pulse 50 and weak. Respiration 11. Blood pressure 60 over 80. Paralysis? None apparent. Well, that's something... At least there's no involvement of the parietal lobe. It's definite occipital. The x-ray's confirmed. We've got to go in. You'll assist, Dr. Dr. Ramsey. Of course. Dr. Allen. Yes? 
prepare surgery immediately. It's the most interesting case, Dr. Merrick. You said there was an accident some years ago. What kind of an accident? Automobile. She, she was struck. Mm, the murderers who were on the road. What an awful price she had to pay. Your gown, Dr. Merrick. A doctor, your gown. What? Bob, what's wrong? I can't do it. My hands. Look. I keep thinking of her. I can't do it, Rand. Steady, Bob, for heaven's sake. Steady. Look. How can I hold a knife steady? Every time she needs me most, I fail her. Six years I've been preparing for this, and now... Look at me, Bob. There's no time, Doctor. You've got to do it. I'll stand by and do what I can to help you. Very well, but I'm not a brain surgeon. I hope you understand that. Even if I were, it would be touch and go. Somebody's got to do it. Dr. Allen. Yes, Doctor. Stop the anesthesia. Ether. Alone somewhere. Helpless. Without friends. Alone. All alone. A new destiny for you. A new destiny. The opportunity of fulfilling it is here. The opportunity. Here. Here. Wait. Wait a moment. Dr. Ramsey. Yes? I'll be all right now. I'll be all right now. Is the patient ready, Dr. Allen? We're ready, Doctor. Remember, just barely under. We can't risk any further depression. Nurse. Yes, Doctor. Scalpel, please. Retractors. Retractors. Hold stopping, Doctor. 43, respirations 8. Nurse, start infusion. Glucose, 1,000 cc's. Yes, Doctor. It's ready. Dr. Ramsey, watch that retractor. It's just moved. All right, sponge. Suture. Infusion is started, Doctor. Dr. Ramsey, look. You were right, Bob. Thank goodness. That's what caused the pressure on the optic nerve. One chance in a hundred, and you were right. Bob, will she see now? I don't even know if she'll live now. Dr. Allen? No change, Doctor. Clamp nurse. Suture. Suture. sit with her. You get something to eat. She's regaining consciousness, Doctor. She's trying to talk. Good. Doctor, she's going to live, isn't she? Yes, I think she is. It's like a miracle. A miracle. <laughs> Quiet, darling. Quiet. Doctor. Yes? Talk later. 
hands. I, I, I want to tell you something. Helen, please, dear. Justin, I want you to know. You mustn't be afraid for me. I'm happy now. You don't go away. Oh, no. I'll never go away. After a magnificent performance in tonight's play, our stars step out of character and we meet them as they are in real life. Claudette Colbert and Donna Michi. Incidentally, they leave our stage tonight to go back to work on their first picture together in five years. What's the picture about, Claudette? Well, it's about, um, uh, what would you say, Don? Well, that's about it. <laughs> Except that it has a surprise ending. Oh? What is the ending? We don't know yet. That's a surprise. <laughs> What roles do you each play? Well, you see, I'm married, and Don's my husband's best friend. Oh, so he's your friend, too, huh? My friend, I should say not. He's a heel of the first water. Well, you don't need to say it so emphatically. <laughs> he borrows our yacht and wrecks our honeymoon. Yeah, I wrecked the yacht, too. <laughs> we save some money, and he borrows that to get out of jail. Uh, what are you doing in jail, Don? 30 days. <laughs> Why, Don does so much borrowing in this picture that even the audience will be touched. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't borrow your Lux toilet soap, I hope, Claudette. Oh, no. No, that I'd never let him get away with. Yachts and money, but not Lux toilet soap. I couldn't get along without it. What are you borrowing for Lux next Monday night, C.B.? Now, for next Monday night, we have a highly diverting comedy in the universal screen success... It started with Eve. And our stars are Charles Lawton, Dick Powell, and Susanna Foster. Take a zestful old gentleman who is expected to die but doesn't, a girl who is introduced as his son's fiancé but isn't, and the rightful fiancé who tries to straighten all this out but can't, and you have a rough idea of the extraordinary happenings on this stage next Monday night. Well, that sounds like an entertaining evening, C.B. I'll be listening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. You brought us a great message in tonight's performance. Our sponsors, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when the Lux Radio Theater presents Charles Lawton, Dick Powell, and Susanna Foster in It Started With Eve. This is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night to you from Hollywood. Housewives, remember, waste fats and greases from your kitchen are more urgently needed than ever to help speed the victory. Rush them to your butcher and he'll give you four cents and two red points for every pound. 
magnificent obsession was presented through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, producers of Bowery to Broadway. Claudette Colbert can currently be seen in David O. Selznick's Since You Went Away. Our music was directed by Louis Silver. Tune in next Monday night to hear It Started With Eve with Charles Lawton, Dick Powell, and Susanna Foster. foods, everything tastes better made with new spry shortening. Yes, them to be a better cook. Just start cooking with spry. Be sure to listen in next Monday night to the Lux Radio Theater presentation of It Started With Eve with Charles Lawton, Dick Powell, and Susanna Foster. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.